Obama. Barack Obama. Where were you born? Barack Lobster. Barack Lobster! Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Tukey Steak Podcast. We are back. It is us, the guys, the fellas, uh, your hockey friends here to, well, sometimes talk about hockey, if that intro isn't anything to go off of. And yes, I know I'm leaving that in. Uh, but yeah, hey, look at us, the three of us. We're here. We're back. And it's uh, it's good to be here. I survived my uh, <laughs> my Atlantic Canadian road trip. Uh, because who needs to, who needs to go to Aruba, you know, or Jamaica? Ew! I want I want a road trip in Canada just to get away for a few days. And it was what wonderful. you got against Jamaica, huh? Nothing. Who wants warm weather? It's November, baby. I want to freeze my, to death. That's what I'm used. My to. My people well, like the warm weather. Okay. Believe it or not. What, what do you mean, Jamaican. my people? <laughs> yeah. You Jamaican? Several. <sighs> well, now that you've made it awkward, Endo, how are you? I'm good. It's getting cold here in Toronto. Um, it's going great. Yeah, it's been a while. I was bedridden and sick uh, with a fever I thought I could sweat out, and yet I could not. And <laughs> yeah, I'm fine now, hopefully. I still sound nasally as all hell, but uh, yeah, I'm good. How's everybody else? Say, how about you? Yeah, I'm pretty good. You know? Just uh, enjoyed two sharks wins, and then you know, back to back to the tank. Yeah, we'll have plenty of time to talk about the uh, <laughs> the the magical week that sharks fans have had. To we, we are America's team. Yeah, yeah. God, there that's going to be a fun conversation. But yeah, actually, in fairness, a lot did happen over the last week. We will try to get to all of it, or at least the. The biggest topics, and uh, because of that, hey, let's get right down to business, right? We'll mention, of course, as always, first and foremost, that this podcast is brought to you by our lovely friends at Manscaped.com. want to remind you that you can go to, again, Manscaped.com and use the code TUGIE, that's T-O-U-G-I-E, for 20% off your order, and you get free shipping. Again, the holiday season is upon us. It's the middle of November already, which is really, really strange. Um, but what, what better way to, to bring in the holiday season? What better gift to give, uh, than the gift of telling somebody, Hey, clean yourself up a little bit. What the fuck's the matter with you? Uh, it's the, it's the perfect gift. Who doesn't want crop mop ball wipes? Okay. Who doesn't? That's what I'm saying. Anyway, we've, we've been, we've been with Manscaped like two years now. There's only so many jokes we can make at this point. Yeah. We we we've said them all. We've inferred plenty. Uh, but again, check out our lovely friends at manscaped.com. With that, let's get a little let's get a little warm up viewer question in there, right? Because the three of us are together. It's a it's the holiday season coming up. It's a time to be thankful. And this question from Bouncy. Going back to the theme of friendship, what's a quirk the three of you have noticed about each other that makes your friendship that much more special? a quirk about your other 
two hosts. Anybody want to go first? <laughs> no, I, I was going to let you go first. Oh, um, God. I mean, I could. I could. Now, again, a quirk is defined as a peculiar... <laughs> a peculiar... Here's Doogie's quirk. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> On display uh, for everyone. God damn it. A peculiar behavioral habit. So... Hmm. What's a, what's a peculiar habit that I think of when I think of endo and I think of sin? That's uh This is a tough one. Why is right. this so tough? Well, I'll start. <laughs> I, endo's uh endo's quirk. Um <laughs> is that uh he he will fill empty space with uh like example on this podcast, especially um, any empty space he fills, he'll go off on on a on a story or uh, information that he just found, and in the moment he finds it so fucking interesting, and he's he's gonna just read everything about it to you, and uh, I I find it hilarious and uh, and very endearing. <sighs> yes, thank you. That's the power of my autism. It's the power of love. It's the tism, baby. <laughs> power of got it. All, it's, baby. it's infectious. <laughs> oh, God. I don't know if we can have the power of my autism as an episode title. Though. That one might not be uh, yeah, brand friendly. Tism schism. There you go. Oh, God. All right. My favorite quirk about Endo Mills is uh well previously it would have been his desire to consistently shift around his workspace <laughs> because there one. was a time last year every show something was different this my favorite quirk different. now is that we cannot play fc pro clubs or eashl without you changing something about your build or how your player model fucking looks between games it's not even a night to night basis it's between games without fail you are always somehow the last person to ready up because it's like oh, i gotta, you, you I gotta tinker with this little thing and, well, and it's before, not even, okay oh, in pro this, is, this is my time sir yeah, this, this is, is your time. fucking tweet right there motherfucker jesus christ <laughs> because before i found it annoying as shit and now i just <laughs> laugh at you over it and it's funny <laughs> Yeah, so I will explain. I don't know. I have to explain it, but I will explain the recent stuff <laughs> I for don't have Pro to, Clubs. But I will anyway. I will. I will defend my honor. I will defend my honor. Okay. So he's the feeling, recent stuff the is because space, we see? level up and everything. <laughs> and then what I'll do is between games is I'll go play a bunch of fucking um, what what's the word I'm looking for skills stuff so I can get some XP. So that's the reason why I'm over there. I'm just practicing free kicks. He's curving the ball around like Beckham. Yeah. For 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 NHL, I don't fucking know. NHL, I'm just it's statism, I guess. I don't know. <sighs> Endo. What is your favorite quirk about sin? Damn, that's a good one. Um is, is a quirk being like extremely competitive? Is that a quirk? No. That's no. that's like a personality trait. That's fine. Yeah. A personality trait. Yeah. I don't know. I, a... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, God. Um, he, he, 
I got I got nothing for y'all. That's real bad. <laughs> I got nothing. My, you guys go uh, ahead. Let me. That's fine. I'll, my favorite Tugi, uh, my favorite Tugi quirk is that when you're really excited or passionate about something, um, and you talk for a long period of time <laughs> without breathing. Yes, number one, without breathing. You have to take really long inhales, and then another thing you do is your mouth gets so fucking dry. You just like you like do the have to like re-moisturize your shit. And it and like it, it, it I, I love it because like like in unison like, too. Jesus Christ. Like holy um Yeah, like it's just because and I don't know like I've noticed it a lot. I'm sure other people have too. Oh, and I'll feel I've been, a bit I've been hearing complaints about it on the YouTube side of things. Oh, for six yeah. years. <laughs> six oh, okay. years. Every comment. Complaints. Fucking smacking bullshit. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I get a dry mouth and then I get <laughs> a really moist mouth and it's just, it's tough to manage. The yeah. yin yang. You can't like, figure out which the balance what, is. What I like about it is just like you're, you're so into it. Like you're so into into what you're talking about and, and into that. And that's what I, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I feel like that the probably makes our friendship better in a way. Cause I'm similar. Although I do remember to breathe. <laughs> I, I think, I, I think singing for that always remember to breathe. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, I just go off on tangents. Well, that's, I was going to say, that's kind of probably my favorite quirk is just, you have, and maybe it's more of a personality thing. I'm not sure, but you have, the tendency to try and keep like the the calm, cool, collected. We always joke about the the California vibes and the, the California <laughs> night vibe and all that. It's like it's always like, okay, I'm calm. I'm in the moments. Hey friends, let's try dumping the puck. I'm calm. And then I shoot it on I'm someone's calm. knees again. You're like, oh no. <laughs> It's always the slap shot from the point at like 15 people's ankles. Always the point shot. And you're just like, fuck Endo. Come on. The, I don't do it after the first one. That's the thing. <laughs> I give people's chances. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I would say that's, yeah, kind of a quirk for sure. Is that it, it seems like I go from zero to 100. Yeah. But that's just because yeah. I don't vocalize two through 99. <laughs> Yeah, and I noticed the two through ninety nine because yeah, uh, we've been yeah. friends long enough that I'll notice like, oh, he he stopped leaving suggestions. He's gotten real quiet. Something's gonna happen here soon. <laughs> so it's just you have immense patience, but it it can only last for so long. Of course. Oh fuck! It's um, like um. God. It's like a microphone when you peak and you're using a using a not a limiter but an expander. So like you just like you hit that you hit that threshold, just goes boom, <laughs> it's right up, immediately right up. Oh man, is there anything else to add? I'm not sure. And no, yeah, a quirk you, about me. What do you got? Um, I would say yeah, the the passion, the the. You're stealing mine, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Teamwork. The, it just it sounds like you've just always like are drinking cranberry juice. You know, your mouth just dries out. Yeah. Uh, well, we've talked about me being old. It's just I, I constantly have a Werther's original. I uh, just tucked away <laughs> in my cheek. That's the reason why I have a bunch of um, Jolly Ranchers next to my desk, like 24 seven. Whenever my, my mouth just dries up, just your dentist Jolly must Ranch. love you. 
Um, actually, I regulate it pretty well, except for the right side of my mouth. So you know, it's good. <laughs> everywhere but the right side of my mouth. It's great, perfect. That's why right. I move around my dip constantly. <laughs> so my entire mouth is entirely fucked. No, they um they got sugar free ones that I'm looking to get instead, and apparently they taste the exact same. But they don't have the blue raspberry one, so that may be like my my one thing I have to go get just the blue bar- the the blue raspberry regular ones and everything else sugar free. Exhibit A about end. <laughs> yeah. I, I told you that's the quirk. <laughs> it's, it's been so beautiful. Like- he <laughs> he nailed it. The trail. I like yeah. Jolly Ranchers. I have them on my desk. I'm going to get the sugar-free ones, though. They don't have the one that I like, though. And here's, <laughs> this is where my dentist went to went to school. <laughs> now, here's a dentist. He went. <laughs> oh, he went to Tim Buck Tooth. Oh, boy. Tooth. <laughs> <laughs> we have an episode title. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. Oh my god! Ah, delightful. Okay, I think I think everyone got their answer in. Yeah, right? I think so. Bouncy, thank you very much for the question. We appreciate it tremendously. We are going to move on to our first uh, hockey topic of discussion, and it's it, it's it's a biggin. It's a biggin. This is going to span multiple different teams, but I'm going to start off by saying the San Jose Sharks. Who, after getting decimated two 10-goal-against games back-to-back, had their new GM, Mike Greer, meet with his players and essentially saying, cut the shit, uh, be better than this. The actual quote was, uh, there are certain things I won't tolerate, and some of that stuff has been happening, and I let them know that. So dad came down and said, Hell you know yeah. what? Your your behavior is not uh, is not acceptable, and we need to see changes. It was the I'm disappointed in you chat, not angry. It was disappointed. Yes. Oh, that's the one that just hurts the most, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's the worst. That led to this past week for the Sharks, which uh, which was an interesting one, right? Mm-hmm. As they played the Philadelphia Flyers. And a lot of people were saying, uh-oh, Philly. Uh-oh, don't be the ones to lose. And they were. For the second time in six seasons, the Flyers lost to an 0-10-1 team, having previously done so to the Coyotes in the beginning of the 2017-18 season. But they're not the team that we're laughing at and focusing on this oh, week. I, I feel like, well, okay, aside from maybe you. Especially feel free Travis Konechny. <laughs> feel free. Yeah, I, I'm assuming you didn't watch the game, but uh, uh, big night. And uh, it was the first game that they put Eklund on a line uh, with Tomas Hurdle. Oh, it did good. Yeah, and they did good. Eklund had the game-winning goal on the power play. And uh, for some reason, he was the target of Konechny's antics all game. Um, Like, we all, yeah, Konechny plays on the edge. He, you know, he could be described as a little bit of an agitator, backs it up with great play, of course. Um, But he would just kept going after Eklund all game, which I was like, that's weird. There's a lot of other guys. Like, I, (laughs) but then anytime someone, you know, 
older, bigger came after him. Uh, it made sense. You know, he, he was only threw a punch when he was behind a ref. And oh, so like the, Brad, the Brad Marchand of the Philadelphia Flyers. Basically. Yeah. 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 Um, but it was just very satisfying um, because honestly, that awakened something in Eklund having that dude in his face. Uh, the whole game, it awakened this side of Eklund. And all of a sudden Eklund is now oftentimes like giving it back at this point. He He's not backing down. He'll, I mean, shit in the game against Vegas, Zetterlin got, went, got pushed headfirst into the boards. Eklund was the first one over, gave uh, March so a shove who then punched him in the face. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so welcome to the NHL again. <laughs> um, and there was another instance that just occurred in the Anaheim game too. Like he he's getting into the scrums, he's getting into the mix. Like this thing has been lit under him. He'll stand his you know stand his ground in the slot when he's in front of the net. And I'm just I'm just it's it's so cool to see someone and like all the gears ticking and them learning like on the fly, continuing to get better and add all these other elements to their game. And he's, you know, now that he's finally been able to play with hurdle and stuff, you know, he's getting those points too. Like that's, that's starting to come, which is great. And uh, yeah, the Edmonton game, fuck, probably I would argue Eklund's best game of the season, like got on the scoring sheet, but some of the other plays he made were fantastic, but I'm sure you wanted to say something about Edmonton too. So I'll let you lead us in proper. Yeah, we uh, we have some things to discuss. I will say, though, in regards to Eklund, this isn't the first time that because he was viewed as like, OK, the skill kind of option. But you've already mentioned like some of the leadership qualities that he's developed. And now it's like, OK, he's getting a bit of an edge to him and not afraid to back down in these situations. All very, very good signs for a young player who's on a very, yes. very bad team. Um, speaking of very, very bad teams. <laughs> the Edmonton Oilers. What a week this was for the Edmonton Oilers, first and foremost. My God. Now, as everybody knows at this point, uh, the Sharks did, in fact, beat the Oilers 3-2 to two before uh, losing to Vegas the next night, 5 nothing. That doesn't That's matter. Okay. Yeah, uh, that was that, that, It should be illegal to make us play Vegas in their arena on the tail end of a back-to-back mm. where we had to travel. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's illegal. <laughs> fucking illegal. <laughs> like, Jesus, man. Straight to jail schedulers. That, that's, that's just messed up. So for the Oilers, they started off last week on November 6th, losing to the Canucks 6-2. to two. It was their third straight loss to kick off the month um, after losing previously to Dallas and Nashville. Following this game, they put goaltender Jack Campbell on waivers and sent him down to the AHL, where coincidentally, uh, his first game in the AHL with the uh, Canucks AHL affiliate, the Abbotsford Canucks, they happened to play, or uh, excuse me, no, with the Bakersfield Condors, they happened to play the Abbotsford Canucks, the Canucks minor league team, uh, and Campbell gave up four goals and had an 800 save percentage. Uh, Not a banner week for Jack Campbell. And we thought that that might be the biggest topic of conversation for the Oilers this week is okay. You handed out Jack Campbell, this big contract. It really hasn't worked. Not that their other starter and Stuart Skinner has been any better. Um, In general, people have done the math and saw, Oh, even if they had good goaltending or average goaltending, they'd still be a very, very bad team. They then play the sharks 
And this was this past Thursday. I was in uh, lovely St. John, New Brunswick, um, and was getting to watch uh, all the Sportsnet buildup on TV um, while the, the, the wife was uh, getting ready for us to go out to dinner. And everyone's like, there's no way. Just, they can't. The Oilers can't possibly lose this game, can they? And then they, they did. They can. Yeah. <laughs> they can. <laughs> it, like, first of all, shout out Mackenzie Blackwood. He was phenomenal mm. in both yes. the Philadelphia and the Edmonton games. Uh God damn, we have him for another year after this, dude. If if like we if we see some good improvement next season, and like he continues to play like that, like could be an extension for him. Just no more than three or four years, man. I, I mm. I'm completely against signing any goaltender for longer than three or four years because they're just too streaky, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I I was under the impression I'm like, okay, McDavid's just gonna solo this team, like he's that good, right? But the Sharks did something that they hadn't done in a long time, probably since the Colorado game, is that they trusted their system. And McDavid, he wasn't invisible, but he 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 didn't take over at any point. Didn't, didn't Dude, he's, make... he's got to be hurt still. Like, yeah, badly. which is I think so. And that's also stupid for Edmonton to keep playing him through that. Um you know, for the Heritage Classic and all that other stuff. And mm-hmm. then it's like, well, we can't play him for that. And then, like, sit him. That doesn't look too bad, does, you know, look too right. good or whatever, does it? Like, but, um, yeah, there was, a, there, it was just a lot of instances where, yeah, maybe he wasn't doing McDavid things. But the one instance that will come to my mind is where Eklund made him his fucking son. Um, another example of how mature Eklund's game is and how much he's developing. He's he's on He's on the PK. Which I don't know if anyone really expected to see Eklund being on the PK, especially at such a young age. But he's been quite good on it. He blocks shots and things like that. Like beginning of the season, sometimes he looked lost in the defensive zone. And now he knows where he's got to be. He's doing the right kind of things. Again, great instance of watching someone develop and get better even over such a short period of time. But it was on the Oilers power play. McDavid gets that drop pass. He's going to try to enter the zone. Eklund beautifully reads it and with his stick reaches across the body, taps McDavid's stick to knock the puck loose. And Eklund gets a breakaway shorthanded, tries Mm -hmm. to go to the back end through five hole, which is, again, a scouting report thing. Skinner's got a weak five hole. Skinner does make the save, but just that was honestly one of my favorite plays from that because... That's just, to me, that's just a ballsy fucking move. Here's the best mm. player in the world. I'm going to try to strip him in the neutral zone, possibly putting myself out of position. And he just wanted the puck. And he wanted the puck so bad, and he got the puck, and he got a scoring chance off of it on what has historically been one of the most deadliest power plays in the NHL, not so much this season. Right. But love that. Just Love that. And the line of Eklund, Hurdle, and Zetterland in that game combined for five points in the win. And all of us Sharks fans feel so vindicated when, hey, what we've been calling for all year happened and it's been productive. And that line was pretty much the, at least those players were pretty much the main factor in both of our wins this season. But yeah. From a Sharks (laughs) perspective, 
to finally see this team get a couple of wins to see those positives like you mentioned of okay you know you know they put Eklund with hurdle and especially too after the madness of like here comes winger Jacob McDonald like we talked about <laughs> last week and after, after all of that you get the uh, trade to bring in Kalen Addison which I don't know if there's been a large, large enough sample size for you to have like a super strong opinion about him yet but it's like okay they're trying different things. They get a couple of wins here and there. They get away, hopefully, from the pace of being the worst team of all time. Some positives there. I I, I do like Kaylin Addison's game. Um, so far, at least from what I've seen, he hasn't made any huge, egregious defensive mistakes. Hmm. Um, and the fact that he had to essentially learn on the fly, we picked him up and then chucked him into the lineup and say, Hey, run, run power play number one here against Edmonton. Right. Um, yeah. So there's been adjustment. Sharks power play hasn't looked good over the last few games. Um, hasn't really looked good all season either, but the fact of the matter is we got a solid young puck moving defenseman for nothing. Mm-hmm. It's a fifth rounder in like 26, 20, I think. Fifth rounder in 26, I want to say. And um, and and Adam Rashka, who uh, I've always liked him. I always wanted to see him on the main roster. Um, just thought, what are you thumbsing up for? That you were correct. Oh. 26 fifth rounder. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and Adam Rashka, who I, I always liked. He's a good guy, but I think at this point he's like, 25. Good, good. Uh, uh, good Canadian kid who's not Canadian, but I'm going to call him Canadian. He's 20. Yeah, ooh, he's actually younger than thought. 22 out of the Czech Republic. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Yeah, he's a lot of younger. Yeah, so it's a bit unfortunate to lose that. I always wanted to see him. He play, He has a good game, kind of gritty style, uh, but he's been in the AHL. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I don't know. You know, you know, like he could be an NHLer, but I think the need for uh, someone like Kalen Addison for the Sharks right now, much outweighs the need for another forward who could have some skill to him. But yeah, like he's in the AHL and he fights occasionally too. Like, I don't know. He's who knows what that ceiling's going to be. Hope, you know, hope for the best for him. I always liked him as a, as a person and a player, but yeah. Um, Addison just gave us something that we simply didn't have a defenseman who could fucking skate and pass. <laughs> and well, especially in the you know the departure of Eric Carlson mm-hmm. and who's gonna fill that role and and thing. yeah I'm not expecting him to be an Eric Carlson quite obviously but he's 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 making better passes out there than most of the defensemen he's skating better than most of them and if you know if he just is solid enough in the defensive end and stuff like that and on transitions then I'll I'll be happy with it. And hopefully he develops into a nice, you know, puck moving, responsible defenseman for us. I, you know, probably not a great chance he becomes some crazy star, but man, that would be incredible if we did considering what we uh, gave up for him. So in my opinion, that's a no risk trade and it acquired something that we need despite the rebuild and something that we could use for the future because he is 23 years old, if I'm not mistaken. And it's not difficult to look good on that blue line. You know, no, not to take no, not to take no. shots, but one of my favorite things to do this season so far is again those hockey scorecards that are out there. And at the end of every game, every Sharks game, again I go straight to at hockey stat cards on Twitter, and I see okay, who was the lowest rated shark? 
And almost every time without fail, it's Mark Edward Blasek. Except for that one game when he was the top rated player. Oh my god, he is. Oh, he's been so fucking bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Oh, it is. And it's like. That's the other thing that 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 kind of trips me up when people are like, "Oh, sharks are intentionally tanking." Like, well, we're rebuilding, but we're really not trying to be this bad. We have a replacement level defenseman making seven million. Mm. We have one point five million retained on Carlson. We have we have like four million retained on Burns almost. Yeah. So right there, that's five mil of dead cap plus seven mil of essentially dead cap. That's a lot of dead cap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's a lot, man. Why blame so, like, <laughs> to read over this then? Uh, in terms of dead cap, four point two two million between Burns and Carlson uh, for the next two years, and then the Burns retention is off the books. They also for this season have three point two two five million in buyout money. On Martin Jones and Rudolph Balsers, uh, that drops to one point six million for the next three years after this season on Martin Jones. I forgot uh, about Rudy. I, I forgot then, we bought him out. <laughs> they have the buried money on Limblom and Shimmick, who are currently in the AHL, and you're paying Mark Edward Vlasic. $7 million for two yeah. more seasons after this, should the 36-year-old not retire. Yeah, so I think it's crazy to think that, like, we're intentionally trying to be this bad. Like, we knew we were going to be bad. We didn't want to mm-hmm. be this bad. My Greer didn't want us to be this bad. But, like, all he those other no factors. <clears throat> exactly. Like, he, I think he's done the best that he could with what was put in front of him. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, like, for, like, the only thing that you're, like, you can maybe argue is like a total tank move is trading Timo Meyer, but if he doesn't fit your long-term plans, if he doesn't want to re-sign long-term, then you get what you can back for him. And Mukamadulin looks per- is is looking great in the AHL. Okotiak has uh, some pretty good moments in the NHL. Some of his passes are a little bad, but I love him in the defensive end. He's physical. He'll kill. You know, fuck guys up in str- scrums, man. He went after connect me at the end of that Flyers game too, dude. Angry Russian right in your face, and Zetterland. Zetterland has has been really good, and he plays a kind of power forward type style that I think really would complement that, or really complements Hurdle and Eklund on that line. You probably didn't see, but he uh, he went he went toe to toe with uh, Delorier. They both kind of reverse hit each other going in for a puck battle, and uh, they both fell. And I'm like, "Yo, if you if you if you get into a hitting match with Delorier, is it Delorier? Yeah, on the Flyers. Yeah, okay. I for some reason, yeah, okay. I'm just making sure. Yeah, and and you come out on even footing with him. That's mm-hmm. impressive in itself. So yeah, I'm loving Zetterland. Last year was very disappointing, and it was a little bit scary. But this My this season, man. Favorite. My favorite thing about this, and sorry to cut you off, is that you are exactly, as a Sharks fan, where Leafs fans were not all that long ago. We're shit. But hey, you know, like, Sean Mathias, you know, he he could be something for us in the future. You know, he keeps playing decently well. And, you know, like, William Nylander's here as as a young player. And, like, if he continues to develop, like, he's your, you know... 
Eklund is your Nylander at this stage. And, and take the subway to games for a decade, and the media doesn't realize that until, like, one weekend, and then it's the giant thing. Yeah. And then yeah. you have, you know, these younger guys like Connor Brown and Zach Hyman, and they might be able to make an impact, and, like, cast-offs from other teams like Frankie Corrado, and yeah. it's just the, you know, most teams end up in this situation, and it's... I feel like you are taking the approach as a Sharks fan the right way of just being like, yeah, we're going to suck, but I'm going to look for the positives here. Yeah, of- like, I mean, there's no point in being angry at this, at what we're going to see for too long. Like, I got, I got, only time I got angry was after the second 10 goal loss, because it's like, how do you do that? How do you mm-hmm. not respond after getting embarrassed on home ice? Oh, you get embarrassed again. Like, that was the only time I was angry. Vegas sucked, but I was like, they have nothing left in the tank. They just laid it all on the ice to get the win over Edmonton. And the fallout from that is going to be funny as hell. Um, and yeah, and then like the rest of it, I'm just like, all right, let's just find positives. Let's get some, you know, get, keep trying to get Eklund and some of the other young guys production, get them ice time, do this, do that. See who looks like they could be a mainstay. And yeah, I'm, I'm trying to look at it like that. It can be tough, of course. Like, you know, you want your team to succeed. That's why you're a fan. But uh, it's it's a unique position in where, like, I'm not going to panic at any point. It's fantastic. I, only time I might panic is if all of a sudden we win 10 straight at the end of the season. <laughs> not the tank. The beautiful yeah. tank. Because remember, we still don't have Couture in the lineup. Mm. That's true. On the other side of that game, the Edmonton Oilers. And that is a team that we need... Uh, to discuss oh, yeah. at this stage. Because in the aftermath of this loss, a lot of people are speculating like, oh, that's that's probably it. It wasn't for head coach Jay Woodcroft. They gave him one more game in which the Oilers beat the Seattle Kraken, but it still wasn't enough, and the decision was made uh, to fire one Jay Woodcroft as the head coach of the Edmonton. Oilers, which just speaking specifically to Woodcroft first, because there are other aspects of this conversation that we need to get into. Um, I feel like most people do have sympathy for Woodcroft just to say, man, this just this isn't your fault, essentially. Um, You know, this is a guy who finally got his chance in the NHL after being uh, an assistant coach in the well, uh, first and foremost, he started off in terms of an NHL um, position as a video coach for the Red Wings in 2005. And he goes came over to, with McClellan with the yeah, I remember yep, him. Goes I to loved the, him. Goes to the as an assistant coach. Goes to the Oilers as an assistant coach for a handful of years before becoming the head coach of the Bakersfield Condors of the AHL, and then replaced Dave Tippett as the head coach of the Oilers. More recently than I remembered, February 10th of 2022 was when he became the head coach of this team, which doesn't seem like that just feels like such a short amount of time. That's the year they made it to the conference finals, right? Yep. Uh, Was it in 21-22? Maybe. I don't remember. I think so. That's when Um, when Colorado won the cup, right? Because then Vegas won it last year. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I it's unreal that he got the axe. Yeah. And I mean, like the thing is he'll get another opportunity 
somewhere. It might be a little bit. I don't view this as one of the examples of the boys club. It's like the guy, first and foremost, age wise, the guy's only 47 years old. Um, this will be the type of, of coach that deserves another chance somewhere else, because as we're going to discuss the problem with the Oilers um, was not the head coach. The problem with the Oilers is their GM. And you could argue even above that in terms of ownership. And that is where a lot of people are looking. They're looking above GM Ken Holland, um, who essentially admitted the shortcomings of the roster, but still said that Woodcroft couldn't get the most out of the roster. Basically threw him under the bus. Mm-hmm. Um, he did. Here's the thing that bugs the fuck out of me about that. He got the most out of it two previous years. Yeah. <laughs> like your roster has been shit, Ken. It's been <sighs> shit. And Woodcroft I mean, again, what's what's on his resume? Like, what what was his record? Like 70 plus wins and only 40 losses with this team? Something like that, yeah. <sighs> and a conference finals appearance and a second round appearance. Mm-hmm. And yet he still gets the axe. And mm-hmm. now we look at this, the situation here, which first and foremost... You can argue, if you want to, the divide between... It's a very Ottawa situation. How much is Ken Holland, a.k.a. how much is Pierre Dorian, and how much is ownership, i.e. Daryl Cates, a.k.a. how much of an influence does Eugene Melnick have? That is the conversation Uh, that Oilers fans are having right now, and rightfully so. But what we do know at a base level, this is the third head coach the Oilers have had in the four and a half years that Ken Holland has been with the club, which is an insane amount of leash. Often, GMs get one, maybe two coaches that they get to name before it's like, all right, bud, like this just... Your vision, your plan's not working out here. We're going to go somewhere else. This is the third. And this has been a problem. Or Hmm? the third firing, you mean? So this has been the third coach um, that the Oilers have had since Ken Holland took over with the team four and a half years Mm, ago. Uh, So when. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it is. So Ken Holland has been the GM of this team uh, since May of 2019. In that time, uh, and just dating back, um, you know, obviously, I mean, they've had a shitload of coaches, right? I mean, like the last four head coaches prior to who was here now, they had Todd McClellan from the 2015-16 season up until the middle of 2019 when Ken Hitchcock took over for the rest of the season. And then... After that 2019 season and the head coaches that we've seen Ken Holland name, it was Dave Tippett from 2019 to 2022, then Jay Woodcroft, and now who we'll talk about in a second. But I think the reason you do have to look at like, okay, it's an ownership thing too. I saw this stat and I couldn't freaking believe this, although I could. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who has been an oiler now for 13 seasons has had 
10 head coaches. 10 in his time as an oiler, which is absolutely insane. Again, he debuted on the Oilers in the 2011-12 season. Meaning for coaches, uh, Tom Rennie, who was the coach of the Oilers in the uh, 2010-11 season up to 2012. They just threw Rob- a guy in there. Go get us the first overall. Basically. I mean, I don't know <sighs> how many people will even recall Tom Rennie being the head coach of, of this team. What's he even doing now? <laughs> uh, he, he's been out of hockey, I think, since 2014. Actually, no. Uh, Rennie served as the chairman of the IIHF coaching committee from 2015 to 2022. Hmm. Uh, he has also served previously as a Hockey Canada executive. Um, actually, he was the CEO of Hockey Canada up until July of 2022. He's a he's not even a coach, essentially. He's a trusted hockey man. Basically. God, yeah, he's just some fucking executive that knew people. You then got the Ralph Kruger experience in the lockout shortened season in 2013. Uh, then you had Dallas Eakins. Todd Nelson, Todd McClellan, Ralph Hitchcock, Dave Tippett, Jay Woodcroft, and now the new option. I think the person that uh, posted this, that's actually nine, not ten. I think they counted the season early. Uh, but still, the idea of nine head coaches in 13 seasons is wow, absolutely insane. Unless there was an interim coach that I missed. So, hey, the point is, if he's not at double digits, he's incredibly close. Which lends credence to the idea of, well, hey, we already know that the Oilers are freaking boys club through and through, but just how much owner meddling is there? Which brings us to the new head coach, unless there was anything else to add about Mr. Woodcroft. But again, I feel like we summed it up no. pretty well. It's not the guy's fault. He'll get another chance, and rightfully so. The new head coach of the Edmonton Oilers is Chris Knobloch. No relation to Chuck, unfortunately. But relation to McDavid. Indeed. So Chris Knobloch, uh, who was a former player, by the way, a former uh, seventh round pick of the Islanders back in 1997, um, never went pro or anything like that, really, uh, but pretty quickly jumped into the, the coaching side of things, started off as an assistant coach uh, for two different WHL teams, the Prince Albert Raiders, and then the Kootenay Ice eventually became nice. the head coach in Kootenay before switching over to the OHL, where he was the head coach of the Erie Otters from 2012-13 until the end of the 2017 season, at which time he was the head coach for one Connor McDavid uh, this before going to the Flyers for two years as an assistant coach. And then for the past five years, he has been the head coach of the AHL's Hartford Wolfpack, who are, of course, are affiliated with the New York Rangers. They brought in Connor's dad. Now, here's the best part about it. It gets even deeper. Connor's current agent, Jeff Jackson was brought in as the Oilers CEO by Daryl Katz. He's the CEO of Hobby Operations, basically effective immediately back in, I think it was August 3rd, 2023. Also, 
They also brought in Connor Brown on a $4 million contract in the free agency this past offseason. And now they've brought in his fucking coach. Yes. The LeBronification has started. This has gone from an old boys club to, to quote a follower of mine, Tyson Tjorm64 uh, on Twitter or X. It is now the Mick Boys Club. Is it though? Yeah, well, so see, that's the counterpoint, right? Sin, and I'll allow you to take the lead on that. Thank the you. The question is, how much did Connor know? I'm going to say very little. Because in the interview, he uh, they just had an interview. I don't know if either of you saw this, but he was asked about Woodcroft and then asked about his new coach. He expressed nothing but shock at the news that Woodcroft got fired. Obviously had tons and tons and tons of praise for him, said he's going to be in the NHL again very soon. And he's, you know, he's good. And he's like, then he reflects on his own play and his team's play and how, you know, and he said, like, essentially got two good coaches fired and stuff like that. It was more emotion than I've seen from McDavid in a lot of different things. And that was very interesting to me because the whole idea of McDavid having this LeBron uh, influence over this team, I think, is kind of nuts. Um, one thing, look at the fucking roster. I don't think this is McDavid having any say in this. I think this is ownership pandering to their to their pay stub. They are pandering to their golden ticket, and that is McDavid. He is the best player um, in the in the world right now, and they're trying like everything they can to keep him around, but they're doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. Here's your junior line mate. And now here's your junior coach. You know what? You know what McDavid had to say about Chris Knobloch when asked like, Oh, is it, you know, you're getting your junior coach back and stuff like that. He's like, and McDavid, all he really said was like, he's like, I don't, I don't remember. It was so long ago. They coached me. Mm. He's like, you know, cool. He's been, yeah, he's been, you know, been, been around coaching, I'm sure. And, you know, it's, cool we'll have a new voice a new young voice maybe that'll resonate pretty well like yeah from that interview alone i think the people like saying that he has this influence and he's the one making these calls i think are crazy because uh, before he got there the oilers were making shit calls like this and i think if they were listening to mcdavid they wouldn't be making a lot of these shit calls uh he would have more depth scoring he would have you know uh, a defense that knew how to defend. Yeah. I think it's I think it's less McDavid wanting this kind of stuff, or like to me, it seems like the the Oilers management is basically going, "Hey, Connor, but I yeah, know like pandering. things aren't yeah. really going too well right now. You know, the guy who you were up against, like head for head when you were first drafted, has won a Stanley Cup before you. You know, it's all good, it's all fine. We brought this shiny toy. We brought you your old coach." Please don't leave us. We brought you your old teammate. Please don't leave us. And we brought you your agent as our CEO. So that way maybe we can get a deal on your contract when you re-up. Please don't leave us. Please, to God's sake, please don't leave us. Mm -hmm. Wayne that's, Gretzky that used to be like part confluence. of the organization. He knew the writing was on the wall, too. I'll be I'll be fucking honest with him. They're paying him a lot of money just to kind of sit there and do nothing. Like it seems like a conflict of interest to have a player agent on that yeah. team also be the CEO of anyway that, yeah. that's that's a minor thing yeah um yeah it's basically they're pandering and it's it's pretty gross like you 
Yeah, this, this is just what happens and what should happen to every single boys club. It doesn't fucking work. I it makes me love the owner owner of the sharks. You know what he does, Hassel Plotner, you know what he does? He signs the paychecks and he goes the fuck away. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, dude, I, I trust you. I hire you. I trust you. Yeah, have you ever been employed to someone who didn't fucking trust you? Yep. It's yeah. the worst. It's like, yo, why'd you hire me if you don't if you don't think I'm gonna do the job right? What the fuck did you hire me for? If you want to do the job, then you fucking do it. Like that's essentially what the Oilers are in a nutshell. And yeah, um, so maybe Holland isn't as bad as he seems. But that uh, to me, that's worse. Is that like, hey, he's like, hey, here are my ideas, and then ownership's like, yeah. See, I think he's bad, and ownership's worse. That's that's what gets me about this whole thing is the idea of like, oh, well, it can't just be it's Ken Holland getting bowled over by Daryl Cates. If Ken Holland cannot command like if Ken Holland is rolling over for the owner who's signing his paychecks, then who the hell is going to work in Edmonton? This is Ken Holland. This is four-time Stanley Cup champion Ken Holland. This is Olympic gold medal-winning team-building Ken Holland. This is Hockey Hall of Famer Ken Holland. So I just don't know if I can buy into this idea that he's just rolling over and getting bullied by this owner because he doesn't have to deal with the fucking headache. He has more money than most, you know, front office workers will ever fucking have. He's 68 years old. He just turned 68 years old this past Friday. I, I just don't know if I can buy into this idea. Like, has he is he the idea that Ken Holland's just given up and is on autopilot and is just like, yeah, whatever, whatever you say, Daryl, I'll do it. It's fine. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm naive for not wanting to believe that because there is a chance that is the case. But I don't know. It's just uh, this is why you're watching the video portion, by the way, for those listening on the audio side of things. Um, Stop the pain. (laughs) It's just such a weird situation where it's like, yes, you can buy into this idea that it's Daryl Cates. But then, like I said, like, is Ken Holland really getting bowled over? But then you have the other side of this. Where it's not just Chris Knobloch being bought in, and I, I completely subscribe to what you guys were saying too. That um, I don't think this is Connor McDavid being like, "I want this guy, I want this guy, I want this guy." It is pandering from either Holland, Cates, everybody involved, because you still have the Boys Club of Edmonton being factored in here because they have brought in Paul Coffey as oh the my God. primary about that. assistant coach, well look, known for his defense and nothing else on the blue line. Yeah, well, uh, Boston Bruins legend, Paul Coffey. Um, Paul Coffey is one of the greatest hockey players of all time. I had a like, Red Wings starting lineup figure of him. There you go. Um, he was inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame in 2005. Like, I don't need to hype up Paul fucking Coffey. Like, it's Paul Coffey. However, in regards to his team staff history, 2004-2005, he was with the Arizona Coyotes as a team consultant, uh, particularly a special teams consultant. Um, you might yeah, remember. You might remember. 2004-2005, <laughs> they didn't fucking play hockey because there was a lockout. 
But that is what he was projected to do, I believe, because uh, was that not when Wayne Gretzky was going to be in the Yeah, I can't remember exactly, but yeah. Might be. I don't remember. It was around that time. He was the head coach of the Toronto Marlboros under-15 AAA team and the next year the under-16 AAA team in 2012-13 and then 2013-14. Yeah, I remember that. Fun fact, the team that had Mario Ferraro on it. Um, <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, was he bored? Did he have it? Did he have child that was on that team? Hold on. Hold on. Because he does have two sons. Uh, Blake Coffey. Oh, what do you know? Was uh, Yeah. And then Christian Coffey. Hmm. Okay. So he might have only been coaching those teams because his sons were playing. Okay. Oh, so wait, is it, was that the GTHL? GTHL? Yes. I think it was. Okay, yes. yeah, he was probably getting paid for that too, so whatever. Yep. 2014-15, he became the GM slash head coach of the OJHL's Pickering Panthers for a season. We're um, okay, Club. So, so that was a thing. He then, from 2017 to 2019, was a skills coach for the Oilers. And then 2022-23 was brought in as senior advisor and a special advisor to owner and chairman, and now is an assistant coach on an NHL bench. Paul Coffey is a Hockey Hall of Famer. He is a legend in the sport. And there is always a chance that it's just like, yeah, no, it makes all, it could work. It could make all the sense in the world. Or this could also be an outright disaster, given that the hire is the boys' club of Edmonton. We know it's the boys' club of Edmonton. It has been the boys' club of Edmonton. <laughs> And who gets jobs there and who gets these special roles and stuff like that? It has been this for a long, long time. And you are now talking about the Oilers and their coaching staff being Chris Knobloch in his first NHL role, Paul Coffey, who has never been behind an NHL bench, uh, as again, behind a bench. He's been on the bench, but not behind it. Glenn Gullitson who was previously the head coach of the Calgary Flames and has had a pretty long tenure at this point, but has been an Oilers assistant coach now for going on his sixth season. Mark Stewart, uh, that being former Boston Bruins, Atlanta Thrashers, Winnipeg Jets defenseman, Mark Stewart, who is in his second season as an assistant coach with the team um, after having some NCAA experience upon retiring. And their goaltending coach, Dustin Schwartz, who has been the Oilers' goaltending coach since 2015-16. Oh, my God. How? Oh Whose my fucking nephew God. is he? I I don't know. Uh, it is worth noting that Dustin Schwartz, you know, did play in his time. He was a Red Deer Rebel back in the day and went to the University of Alberta. Um Never went pro, but this is this is the the coaching staff that they are that they have surrounding two generational talents, one of which has an expiring contract at the end of next year in Leon Dreisaitl. I think he's gone no matter what, dude. Leon is fed up (sighs) with that fucking media there, dude. Yeah, I you know I think I think you're on to something there, and I, I was actually hoping someone Did would you mention see that the dry fucking Specter article. Yes, the most yes. self pitying thing I've ever seen, dude. What a fucking clown, man! 
absolute clown show like all the way in Edmonton besides the players. It's yes. actually pathetic. Between the Spectre article and the last thing that Jay Woodcroft did, yeah, I don't read your stuff, which is pretty funny. Hilarious. But Leon Dreisaitl getting interviewed in the locker room again. And I have the the clip here for you guys, but it's this idea. I don't think I've seen this. Oh, so he. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Great observation. Yeah. The great observation line. Um, after the loss in San Jose, I think what? you're onto it. I think he is fucking sick and tired of this of the media landscape in Edmonton, just constantly doing what they do. Yeah. And if you're Leon Dreisaitl at this stage, you'll be 30, I believe, 29, 30 years old when your contract is up. You're a UFA. Similar Come to San Jose. To- Similar to John Tavares, you will have essentially every team that can send you an offer to the point where you will have a choice of where you want to go. Do you want to go to the team that is going to offer you the most money? Do you want to go to the team that you grew up rooting for? I don't know what he was, what team he was a fan of NHL-wise as he was growing up. Who knows? Um, it might be out there. Do you want to go to the team that gives you the best chance to win? He will have the opportunity to go wherever the hell he wants with the near empty you know check blank space fill it in um and it's tough to imagine him staying in edmonton um just given the the circumstances in the circus that this team has been um for this amount of time so i i don't know what there's to say at this point about the oilers that we haven't already said that's been said and that will continue to be said but this is an absolute disaster for Mm -hmm. this organization and the clock is ticking to say the least we are recording this on monday november the 13th they play the new york islanders tonight at home the oilers at the time of recording are three nine and one on the season and currently in the league on points percentage are only above the san jose sharks But again, that coaching staff is going to be the turnaround. I don't know. I just don't know. It's it's tough to see, to say the least. It is. And yeah, I think we've hit all the different points that we could say. Uh, Just one more for Leon. Like he's he's always been an emotional type player, Um, very emotionally driven. The thing that I think pisses him off and I think would piss anyone off is that the media there, particularly Spectre, fucking know that. You have to observe that. You're you're a journalist. You have to know these things. But they try to use that to get quotes out of them. Yeah. Why are you so pissy, Leon? Mm-hmm. Like, fuck you. Know your place, bro. You're a journalist. Like, report. Report. Put your fucking story out. Put, put your 140, 280 characters into a tweet. Like... That's that's what's insane to me. They, especially the meeting in Edmonton. Specters, Specter and Matheson are the two fucking biggest who are absolute clown shows. Um, who they try to create controversy. They will throw everyone under the bus unless it's the GM because that's how they get access. Yep. Because of the boys club. 
So fuck the players. They ran Pugliarvi out of play out of town. They may run Dreisaitl out of town. They essentially called for Woodcroft's head. Now he's out of town, but not a not a peep for the GM who constructed this terrible fucking roster. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows it's a terrible roster. It's just been kept above by the t- two of the greatest players in the NHL. One of them being a, the best player in the world. Mm. So yeah, free yourself, dry saddle. You're 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 in, you're in your thirties, man. You want inner peace, man. Take my word for it. I just every time I look at that Oilers roster, I'm like, oh god. Uh, right now, cat friendly, and uh, allow me to. Um, also bounces off of daily face off. They do typically line up. Um, okay, there's actually mixed results for what their lines even are. Oh um, boy! But again, you are surrounding McDavid, Drysital, Hyman, and Nugent Hopkins, Evander Kane, with Ryan McLeod, Warren Fogle, Dylan Holloway, who hasn't really latched on at the NHL level yet. Sam Gagne, who actually has three points in five games. Um, like I said, we've mentioned the Derek Ryans of the world. Uh, Raphael Lavoie, Lejoie. Lejoie. Um, James Hamblin is in that lineup right now as a forward. Jesus, I don't even remember him from the game. Maybe he wasn't in. <laughs> um, yeah, he was uh, good for him, by the way. Undrafted player from Edmonton. So probably playing for his home, you know, his, his boyhood club, which That's is great. Cool. But. It, it's but not his fault he's you? in that spot. <laughs> Just kidding. But Jesus Christ, it, they're a disaster. <sighs> Speaking of disasters, one of my favorite segments that has developed over the course of the summer and is continuing on now is Endo Mills Endurance M, the PWHL update. And let me know if I'm wrong, but if I'm not mistaken... You're probably going towards the, uh, the the practice facility drama, or was there something else that I missed? Mostly the practice facility drama. So, okay. oh, man. Ian Kennedy, lo- love what he does and also what he doesn't do in terms of growing <laughs> women's hockey on social media because there's two approaches of doing it. There's the one approach that he's doing, which is basically telling your kid to do his laundry and to do his chores constantly. And everyone's going, I don't want to do my chores. Like, honestly, that's the way I've approached women's hockey as of late. It's like telling someone to do their chores. If you keep telling them to do their chores, they're not going to do their chores. If you remind them once every so often, Hey, you know, buddy, do your chores, you know, enjoy women's hockey. Have fun with it, you know. Check it out. It's a cool. It's a cool thing. It's growing. It's happening. They'll, they'll be more inclined. But if you shove it down everyone's throat every five seconds, they're they're not going to enjoy it. So today's, uh, this week's, um, well, mostly today's, uh, drama involving the PWHL, which again is the combination of the PHF, the Professional Hockey Federation. And the PWHPA, which is the Professional Women's Hockey Player Association, which was formed in the aftermath of the CWHL folding way back in 2018. So they have had a really, really weird launch in terms of, you know, team names being leaked a few weeks ago and then them making a statement saying, you know, those aren't our final names. We're still debating on putting stuff out. Sorry to interrupt. Those team names are still not official. Yep. 
all six of those names are still not official. And if we want to go over it again, team names are as followed. The Toronto Torch, the Montreal Echo, the Ottawa Alert, Minnesota Superior, Boston Wicked, and the New York Sound are the unofficial names that were patented by the PWHL. Are they good names? Eh. Can I probably make better in like 10 minutes with more significant historical value to them? Probably. Now, the issue that at hand we're having right now is one, big contract signings aren't being announced by the PWHL, like at all. Journalists have to basically scrounge through to find press reports or press releases about players signing. Not only is that the issue, player salaries aren't being announced, which is one thing that's they already declared. They already disclosed that it's not going to be announced due to their CBA agreement. Um, another thing, though, the main thing is they don't know where they're playing, what colors the jerseys are wearing, what the logos are going to be, and what names they are. Because remember, none of this stuff is official yet. Now, to add to that, the only arena that we know for a fact that a team is going to be playing out of is the Toronto-based team, and that's going to be at the Madame Athletic Center, downtown Toronto. For some of the older people who may listen to this podcast, it is old Maple Leaf Gardens. It is the third floor of the Madame Athletic Center above the what is it, above the Loblaws inside the facility. The other five teams, no one knows where they're going to be or if they're even going to be in the cities that they're supposed to be based out of. But we know where the practice facilities are for each individual team, which to me is hilarious. That so makes this is, no sense. This is after you mentioned Ian Kennedy. He put yeah. out a tweet on Sunday saying venues, training camp schedules, PWHL camp opens in 72 hours. Camps what? are a huge event. Oh, yeah. Their camps open on Tuesday? Wednesday. Wednesday. Uh, camps are huge for media coverage, building fan interest. How do we cover them if we don't know where to go or when to show up? Um, today, and he had speculated, hey, maybe maybe this tweet helped because they did release information on practice venues, preseason play. They still have nothing on training camps uh, released. And as you mentioned, they still don't have the team names or anything like that. Um, but yeah, the whole PWHL getting things ready to go. Uh, that's, that's starting like this week. And they have just now announced where the practice facilities are for all six teams ahead of training camps opening this week. It's ridiculous. I'm worried. I'm, I'm not even worried. worried. I'm concerned. I've said if you're a player of this league, you skip the first year. I don't care what it is. There have already been players who have skipped out this year because they're getting offers to do other things for an even higher pay raise. Hmm. Last year in the PHF, you had players signing contracts of $100,000. There was not a single person in... Granted, listen, uh, if you look at a CBA, there's not a single person in the PWHL who would be making over 100K. Not a single person. The salary averages are between 30K to 80K. The PHF had a higher salary count. They had more teams, and they even announced a bigger budget next year with a higher salary cap. It was up like $1.2 million increase. That is, it is insane to see how far back these teams, this league has taken back women's hockey. I don't care. It's like, oh, you know, the NHL would support one United League. You could have just come to terms, used the exact branding that was used in the PHF, and just said, hey, we have a bunch of money. We have all the investments. You have all the teams, all the sponsors already set up. 
if we form with you and work with you, it'll be perfect. But again, I think it's just a grudge being held by people who are part of PWHPA, and it's ruined what could have been what seemingly now is basically a tire fire of a disaster. I I honestly hope this turns out and things are like the, they can write the ship. But, you know, 72 hours notice. Hey, here's where things are going to be. Do, do you know how much it's going to cost for these people to go to these events? Like for media to go there? Because I'm pretty sure you got to pay out of their pocket because I'm pretty sure the league won't subsidize any of their payments to cover their stuff at all. Hmm. So they give them like 72 hours notice to go. Oh, we're going to hop up on a plane and go here, go there, go here, go there. Like, it's bad enough that the PHF players found out via social media that their contracts were null and void. I have a big, I have a strong suspicion that the players who are not signed the contracts do not, did not know anything about where the facilities were going to be or whatsoever. Because I'm pretty sure in those contracts that these players have to sign to say that, oh, a member of this team, they tell you where everything's going to be and everything because it's part of the agreement. But for everyone else who's basically trying to make some sort of money playing women's hockey, at least over in North America, they basically, I'm assuming they've been just as blind as we have. Because if they would have known information, they would have put something out as well saying, oh yeah, here's information for you guys, whatever, here's what we know. So this is a disaster. Complete disaster. Again, training camp opens this week. The team names have not officially been result, uh, revealed. And the season is scheduled to begin in January. We'll see. Two we'll months. See. Two <laughs> months away. And there is no place to buy tickets because you don't know where the fuck the arena is for the regular season. Except for, oh, one fucking team. The biggest team in the market. Toronto. Like, I don't know what they're doing. I, I legitimately don't know what they're doing. I, I was I remember having a conversation with someone um who was studying for um broadcasting. This 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 does relate, I I promise you. And the person who was the professor for the program was a member on the board for the CWHL. And I remember he was telling me that one of the projects they had for school was for someone to hypothetically create a scenario for a women's hockey league and what they would do for funding how to project the sponsors. While this person was a sitting member on the board for, for a women's hockey league. Hmm. Do my work for me and let me get paid. Well, did he use that model? That was the project that was supposed to be done for the, for the class assignment. Yeah. But like, did they use that model? I can't confirm nor deny. Oh, well, yeah. Okay. It could be a nothing type story, but yeah, I mean, yeah. Could be nothing. Could be something. Who's to say? With that, we'll move on. We will continue to talk about the PWHL because, again, like I've been a strong proponent for the women's game and wanting to see it get the foundation levels that, you know, you'd like to see it have to at least give people a fucking chance to give these players a chance to be able to fucking live out their dream of being a professional hockey player aside from just every four years of the Olympics. Yeah. Um, and what sounded very promising at the start is really struggling to get off the ground here. 
Speaking of struggling to get off the ground, I wanted to, I say briefly, but who knows, um, talk about NHL 24. Because when I was uh, leaving this past Wednesday, uh, 30 minutes or so after we hit the road, the word came out, oh, there's an update coming. And I'm like, ooh, this could be... This could be a good thing. And focusing specifically just on the franchise side of things for me, right? Because gameplay-wise, it's like, okay, I'm interested. And, like, you know, they hype this up by being like, for the first time ever, Bobby Orr is in an NHL video game, which, yes, is Bobby Orr. cool. But they scars, Bobby Orr. Um, Bobby Orr. It was really cool to see that, you know, it's a marketable thing for them. But along with that, they put out patch notes in regards to, you know, what was being changed. There was quite a bit for gameplay in regards to uh, the Michigan move or the unintentional push check in front of goal when you're trying to swing for a rebound, um, charging up a shoulder check to get a speed boost. Like they did change some good things in relations uh, to gameplay. Now they didn't fix the hip checks yet. They said that's coming in a future one, which is kind of a fucking shame because that's still um, real quickly hilarious. before you go on about franchise. Um, that He's charge up hip fr- check thing still. Oh, oh, you did hear still okay. there. Um, another thing too is um, uh, the speed. There people are talking about a speed burst when you throw out hits. Still in the game. There are times where I try to throw a hit. At someone, and I'll go. Let's say, for example, I'm right over here, and the play is coming downwards. I'm trying to go for a hit over here. I'll speed burst to the right instead. It's just, yeah. There were a couple of other things as well: creation zone, presentation, um, some matchmaking stuff. I mean, you know, there there were some there were some fixes for sure. Uniform changes, stuff like that. Um, obviously, from a gameplay perspective, while I'm not currently playing the game i mean i'd like to be i think about it from the perspective of oh what the hell is this gonna mean for the esports side of things which for sin and yeah. i i mean for sin, it's already relevant uh for me especially it becomes that much more relevant because we are still going to be doing work with our friends over at sports gamer sports gamer.gg the uh top esports um, kind of community hub and scene for the European side of things obviously did a lot of work on the North American side of things too in the past year um, the regular season starts up on the 20th oh um, next week yes <laughs> a week from today <laughs> yes it is uh, which could affect the podcast schedule as well we'll see we'll talk about oh, that soon um, what the hell is the esports scene going to look like this year? Is something that I'm um eager to see, um, to say the least. From the franchise perspective, last night on stream, and I talked about this on the Twitter side of things too. But last night on stream, I went through the first three seasons of franchise mode to be like, okay, based off of what they said, changed. Has it changed? Is it better? Because I equated NHL 24 franchise at launch to about a 2 out of 10. Technically functional. You can technically play it. But if you look beyond the surface, it gets 
it gets bad really fast. Uh, rotten from the inside out is a way that I've thought to kind of compare it to. And in looking at what they changed, pretty much everything that they said was addressed is actually addressed. They added regulation wins to the standings, uh, more chemistry links between X-Factors for abilities based in skating, shooting, and puck skills, which has to do with like the player development and stuff like that. Uh, increased the impact of total player worth when running head coach best lines for all coaches, which I do feel like fairly accurate. Fixed an issue essentially related to computers, uh, AI signing AHL potential level dudes for no reason whatsoever. That has been fixed. The AI are a little bit smarter in who they sign. What hasn't been fixed is how many people they sign. What was supposed to fix that was, quote, fixing an issue where computer teams couldn't sign two-way contracts when up against the salary cap. That has not been fixed. Um, and that that's a big one for me. Um, I put out on Twitter an example. 28 players under contract at the start of Season 3, the regular season opener for the New York Rangers, meaning that their AHL club had numerous 50 overall players. They had a 49 overall forward because they're not signing a proper amount of players. Um, in a real life scenario, the team with the lowest amount of contracts signed in the NHL this season uh, happens to be the Carolina Hurricanes, who are at 40 out of 50. But of course, they do not have a locked in AHL affiliate. So you're more so looking at the Chicago Blackhawks who have 42 out of 50. Anything under 40, I would deem as problematic for the game, the way players develop, and above all, unrealistic. So having teams under 40 is bad enough. Having teams under 30 is absolutely brutal. Yeah. You're still seeing teams with three goalies under contract. Then you get into the issue of players in proper positions or not being in proper positions, which I would say looks a little bit better. But then I found some examples of, like, uh, I gave an example for Seattle. It was Maddie Beneers, who was only a center on the left wing, and then Jared McCann, who's a center left wing at center. Yeah, today McCann's, I saw. <laughs> McCann's Sorry to cut face you off, but, uh, yeah. were seventy six. Beneers were seventy nine. You cannot find a justification for it. Go ahead. Oh, I had an even better one today. I saw the first line of L.A. Um, forget who's on the left wing side it doesn't matter but byfield was in the middle and then kolpatar was on the right wing side yeah now both of them are listed as just center but kolpatar's face-offs were 85 and byfield's was like 77 mm-hmm. why that's i don't know that, that 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 should be so obvious like to to the ai like oh who has better face-offs i don't care if it's just by one put them in the middle if they both have the same position or you know if you can't right. go by the position suggestions but as you pointed out looks like they're not even going by those so rip. yeah uh there was one on the kings that i found um they had philip deno as a center on the left wing and mar or adrian campe excuse me at center who was listed as a center left wing. Kempe's face-off, 75. Dano's, 86, with the silver quick-draw ability, giving him a further boost to his face-offs. Mm-hmm. So that is inherently making the team worse, first and foremost. Then you get into 
the AI not being smart enough to properly manage prospects. I found another example at the start of season three for the LA Kings. They elected to sign right D Tony D'Angelo instead of playing right D Brant Clark, who at 21 years old and an 80 overall medium elite potential top six defensive role. So an NHL defensive role was a healthy scratch instead of being put in the minors. Yeah. Um, there, there's a lot that's still wrong. I would equate it. it. Go ahead. I was going to say, didn't Matt Potras miss an entire season? Yes. Um, now, I did play with injuries <laughs> off, but in season two, the Bruins scratched Matt Potra for the entire year. And then at the start of season three, uh, they went out and signed other free agents and still left him as a healthy scratch. Let me bring up the screenshot here really quickly. Um, they left overall, him, Matt Potra. Yeah, 83 overall at 21 years old. Matt Potra was a healthy scratch, but they had no problem signing Mikhail Granlund, Jakob Silverberg, Brandon Tanev, Tanner Pearson instead of playing Matt Potra, which again is a not to say that good players don't get scratched or prospects don't get scratched because they do. But this is a butterfly effect of prospects not being allowed to properly develop, teams being worse than they should be, which again, bad teams can be bad teams, but you just think of what one of these issues can cause for one team. Then what if it's 31 other teams and prospect development and not playing people properly and how that affects the draft, especially once you get into the draft and it's computer-generated players that are going to be freaking medium elites all the time and 83 overalls in the top five. It that's the only way I've been able to equate it. It is. And then not to mention just how fucked up EA's rosters are in the first place and how bad they're described overalls, potentials, positions, so on and so forth. The X factors that they hand out. It is just a massive butterfly effect that for someone like me who looks beyond the face value of what the mode is, it ruins it. It makes it unplayable at a base level. Is it playable? Yes. Since proof of that, he's still making franchise mode content. God bless him. I can't do it. Um, it is a massive butterfly effect that, like I said, just really takes yeah. the mode down to what I would describe as the worst franchise mode for any console based sports game. It is much worse than NBA. It's worse than MLB. It's worse than Madden. I know what Madden could be, should be, what it's been missing over the years, how EA has fucked around with Madden. Madden franchise is still better. Wow. <laughs> um, I will say that, especially in NHL franchise modes, um, teams that are, are, are in a rebuild right now will often still be in a rebuild somehow in like 10 years in that game mm-hmm. because of the, the issues that you did mention. Um, and <laughs> holy shit. Yeah. I, it's, it's hilarious. I just, um, <laughs> a team at like 15 overall or something like that. They just drafted like a medium elite steal essentially in the first round and then immediately had him on the trade block. <laughs> That's another thing. It's like they either trade away the young guys or then they don't play them half the time. Like it, yeah, it's just the logic for, there's in, in 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 a way I'll equate it is like in be a pro, I feel like the AI doesn't know where other players are. They just know where the puck is and where they're generally supposed to be. They have mm-hmm. no reference for where other players are. That's really bad. Um, another thing 
uh, a thing I'll equate it to with franchise mode is that GMs don't understand. They don't have uh, any forward thinking. There's no forward thinking logic in with the GMs there, which which is bad. Yeah, because all they do is like, oh, here's a better player. I will play a better player and scratch worse player who is younger with great potential. There's no plan. The AI do not have a plan whatsoever based off of who the GM is, the ownership outlook or anything like that. There is no plan. And it's been that way for a while because I've had the whole Milberry mode runs where I just let the AI control everything with my user team and they will make one selling trade and then immediately become buyers again and buy back a player of a similar ilk that they just traded away. <laughs> and so they just get stuck in this loop of sell, 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 buy, 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 sell, 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 buy, buy, buy. That's it. There's no, the term is AI, but there's no intelligence in regards to how the AI are right now in that game. It's automation. And That's what it is. It's automation. It's, it's easily, I hate to say it, it is, but it is the worst <laughs> franchise mode out there right now for mainline console sports games. I'm not talking about um, indie titles or stuff like that, but for AAA yearly sports releases, it is the worst franchise mode out there right now, and it I I hate it. I hate it. I hate that we're at that stage, but that's, that's the truth. Yeah. Um, one thing I noticed uh, with the new patch for Be a Pro, I've never had more aggressive defense ever. Like, for example, I'll be skating up, like, for, for context's sake, um, my Be a Pro run is... Kind of like five, as small as possible, but as big as possible. So I'm five foot five, two ten, power forward. And I've never seen the computer players be ever so aggressive. It is, it is insane. Like no matter, you know what they learn you what do, you do, right? There's AI what? learning. They they start adjusting to how you play. It's it's oh. set by default at three out of six AI learning. They adjust to how okay. you play. So if you go in the same way on on the rush on the blue line, they start getting more aggressive. Trump. I have it at six out of six, and I'm just passing the puck along. But I've That's never got. Bought... Oh, no, no, here, no, hold on though. Let me. I'm saying after this patch, it's been it's like tuned up to like it's like insanely high. I don't know what it is. Maybe they actually adjusted it better for the after this patch came out. But now it's like anytime I have the puck or like get the puck away for a second, I'm getting hit like immediately. And when you're five foot five, uh, what five foot five two ten on a brand new like build. When you get hit once, your stamina bar goes down from like a hundred percent to like to like twenty five after one single hit. Yeah, it's, it's, that, me, that, it's that was wild. a thing before the patch. Yeah, but like now it's like even more aggressive, and now I can barely even like do anything. Well, there's there's too much aggressive in game aggressiveness in game. No, I won't say aggressiveness. There's too much hitting. The hitting's way 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 too powerful in uh, <clears throat> in when it comes to gameplay for the AI. Like I said, every Zegris is leading the NHL and hits even above me and I hit fucking everything and Trevor Zegris doesn't hit in real life but because it's the gameplay because everything's super aggressive and everyone's hitting like that's just yeah how it is and I wish yeah. other other defensive tools were better yeah, I've and adjusted to it AI a was now better. after playing for a bit but just it was like infuriating because you're like a 65 overall player and you're like already s slow as hell compared to everybody else on like basic settings and I'm like, okay, I'll just turn up the aggressiveness because I want that, like, I want it to be a little bit harder. While oh, wait, so you turned up guy. the aggressiveness. You have AI learning all the way up. <laughs> and now you're complaining about being hit. 
Like no, a little I'm bit of what you're saying is valid. But no, okay, let me let me explain this again. The only thing I've changed on there is the be a pro awareness thing. They move it. They move it to its own category. The three, the three out of six, six out of six thing. The only thing I've changed is that the, the AI, AI learning. Is completely fine. The thing it's where the if you keep go, if you keep entering the zone along the boards, they then adjust and will crush you against the boards. No, I didn't. I didn't touch AI learning. I touched the strategy adjustment. That's the only thing I changed. Because there's okay, two well, separate. Okay, AI things. learning defaults at three out of six. So okay, there's I didn't still AI that. learning. Okay, but I'm just and telling just that, you. Yeah, that they learn and adjust to what you do. I know how you enter the zone on the rush end, though. You do the same thing a lot of the time, so the AI is going to adjust to that, and they start crushing I'm you, not and even you're five foot five. I'm not even, like, half the... I'm in the neutral zone, fucker! I'm in a neutral zone, I make a pass off, because I'm too fucking slow, because I'm a 65 overall skater! Okay, guys but what's your argument here? Plus. Like, what, what are you complaining about? Because you said you cranked up the aggressiveness. I didn't crank up the aggressiveness. I'm getting hit, and now I'm losing all my stamina. Yeah, I'm not doing any. The only thing that I have adjusted is the strategy adjustment, the be a pro strategy adjustment. Okay, but I'm asking what what are you taking issue with here? Like, what is the rant about? Like, what 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 closing point are we getting to? I'm a 65 overall skater. Yes, you should be in the AHL. Yes. Okay. And I can't. No, Kevin Bacon wasn't a footloose. By the way, really quickly, to go off on my own tangent, I discovered something this past week. Um, the wife and I went to uh, visit friends of ours in, uh, in in Fredericton, New Brunswick. Oh, Sin's going to run away to the bathroom. No, he has to hear this. So you know what? It's fine. It's fine. You get back here. You put those headphones back on. Just, just pause real quick. <laughs> no, no pausing. We've Not until I talk about this because it'll be good for the segue. We went to Fredericton, New Brunswick. We met with friends. They're lovely people. We discovered something. Did you know that Kevin Bacon is in a band? Yeah. Yeah. How did the, I not know this? The Bacon Bits. The bit. Get out. All right. He's in a band with his brother, Michael, and they're called the Bacon Brothers, and they have been since 1995. And I yeah, didn't I know this was a thing. And he did a song. He and his brother did a song. For what is essentially a kid's album in 2002 called Philadelphia Chickens. And it is the biggest fucking bop. <laughs> this swing style song called Philadelphia Chickens by Kevin Bacon and his brother. He wasn't in Footloose, but everyone does have to listen to this song. We'll be right back after these messages and after Sin takes a leak. Well, everybody, let's continue onward. We do have a couple other things to still talk about here in what has already been an extended edition of the show. Um, I don't have too much to add about the Calgary Flames or the Toronto Maple Leafs, but I know that the two of you both kind of did. Um, all that I had really seen was that the Leafs actually finally fought somebody and that Nikita Zadorov wants a trade. Yeah, Nikita Zadorov wants to trade. His agent uh, thinks he's a 1D. And uh, oof, good luck to anyone uh, trying to negotiate an extension with him. Um, I think mm. he's great. He's a solid physical defender, not a 1D. Um, 
of course, the rumor is like, oh, he, he would like a move to Toronto. I think he'd like a move to anywhere at this point um, <laughs> away from the Flames because it was cl- quite clear from the interview that I talked about a couple episodes ago where he was calling it out and yeah, he was just done. You just, you know, he's he's of the mind that a lot of people are. It's like, OK, well, you all got what you want. Why are you still shit? Why are the vibes so bad? And Zadorov's <laughs> right. just like, get me out of here. And uh, thank yeah, you. Hu- Huberto getting benched is bad. But yeah, um, loved what happened in in the Leafs game, which wasn't against the Flames. It was against whatever uh, Vancouver, 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 Vancouver. Vancouver. Um, yeah, I'm in the cool. Like they they had fucking pushback, <laughs> and uh, Domi fought fought someone after Robert Ro- Robertson got his clock clean. Geo fought fucking Joshua Tree, who uh, <laughs> who, who who hit Dakota someone as Joshua. well. <laughs> Yeah, but Joshua Tree, because he's tall. Oh. Get it? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, you're slow. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I that's great. Like, f- old man strength and all that. But that's what the Leafs needed. Like, they needed everyone. You can't just say this is the guy to fight everyone, because he's not. He's on the ice for four minutes a game, and he doesn't fight anyone. He's the biggest <clears> spot picker in the league, and always, I won't fight anyone other than heavyweights, blah, 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 blah. I, that's whatever anyway uh we all know my feelings on reeves and they they did the right thing and scratched his ass and had a competent fourth line imagine imagine Hmm. a fourth line goal competent fourth line who could have seen this coming besides every single person who watched the games and anyone who does any lick of analytics um so good for them maybe they start to turn around what has been a really bad start uh by the standards of what the toronto maple leafs are trying to do and um hey their fans are calling you know for mcdavid to come there too because cap doesn't exist but uh it's such a construct (laughs) good good for the leafs zadorov get out of there (laughs) no matter what i'll laugh if he walks as a free agent and they're not able to trade him because there should be a lot of teams interested in a nikita zadorov dude like Mm. people love big defensemen who can hit even if they're not amazing defensemen Right. Rasmus Ristolainen is employed and doing well. Last week, yeah, heard, you know, I, yeah. I actually, I'm <laughs> intrigued. How is how is Rasmus Ristolainen? <laughs> you know, actually, actually, he found his game again. Because I'll be happy he, for him. He's on an he's on an upward trajectory a little bit since he's gone to Philly. He's still not worth five point one million dollars, uh, but that contract isn't quite as bad. As it once looked. So, how's good Branson? <laughs> oh, probably God. not great because Columbus is um, throwing away third period leads right now. Yeah, he's 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 still very very. Bad. All right, that'll that'll be my that'll be the uh, the the old faithful that I'll pull out of the SpongeBob box. There you go. Um, but yeah, Nikita Zadorov, a very solid physical defensive defenseman um, that someone will enjoy having on their team. Somehow it'll be the Toronto Maple Leafs, maybe. And then he'll just stop being a gritty player. I hope not. Like, I mean, yeah, they could use him. But like, what's his cap hit right now? Uh, I thought it was around four. Yeah, it's close to four. I think it's three, eight. How do they fit him? There's no Uh, way you you con someone into taking Klingberg. I mean, that's pretty much what it feels like it would have to be is a Klingberg, a TJ Brody, Jake McCabe and Brian Reeves. Unless it's Klingberg. 
it's a lateral move. Yeah. In my opinion. Because the Leafs defensive woes are still very much there. Yeah, they played well for that game against Vancouver, but Vancouver had a pretty shit game too. Like by their <laughs> standards, they were not good whatsoever in that. And uh Hey oh, and against the Leafs, or sorry, against the Flames, they blew it was four one. Yeah, they ended up winning, but it was four one. So I mean, it's still the the summer signings of Brad for Living are still very much under intense scrutiny. Because yes, Domi's finally starting to produce. Bertuzzi's doing slightly better, but again, those are two one-year deals. Yeah, and I mean, Reeves it's... is egregious, and Klingberg is egregious. <sighs> yeah, Toronto's just so exhausting to talk about, and the fact that it's like, yeah, hey, <laughs> it's just been this bad. And this inconsistent. And they're Edmonton, but they have twice as many really good players, so they're able to stay afloat a lot better. Because yeah. it's a boys' club still. Yeah. <laughs> Attaboy, Brad. It's all about true living in the moment, boys. Mm. True living in the moment. I'm not going to get off that. If you guys have nothing else to add about the Leafs of the Flames, which, again, I really didn't, we can get to our next big topic, um, which, surprisingly to nobody, I will... uh, Unsurprisingly, I suppose. Yeah, I have a lot to say about this, kind of. Um, We'll just read off the tweet. Per sources, Vegas Golden Knights goaltender Logan Thompson wanted to put a cancer ribbon on his helmet design but was told he couldn't by the NHL. It is Hockey Fights Cancer Month in the NHL. Thompson's the backup goalie tonight against the Sharks. So I said on Twitter, mainly as bait, because I knew idiots would take it, and they did, that this is the legacy of Provorov, Reimer, the Stalls, etc. Because it is. Mm-hmm. This time last year, Logan Thompson could have put a cancer awareness ribbon on his helmet without issue. But here's what happened. Earlier this year, Provorov, I'm not wearing this jersey. People on social media, oh, so you're a bit daft, aren't you? And then, of course, there were some people like, I'm going to buy the Provorov jersey, yeah. Stick it to the libs, yeah. And then nothing else happened. That was it. Until it happened again with Reimer and again with the stalls. Now the NHL couldn't force them to wear anything. They weren't fined. They weren't suspended. The players weren't forced to sit out of the games. The NHL couldn't enforce that. The NHLPA would never allow them to enforce that. But the NHL in response this offseason elected to ban everything because they couldn't just ban that because, oh, that would look way too bad. So we'll take away all the warm-up jerseys and all of the things. Just because, again, you couldn't have it say, see, it's not just because of the pride stuff. It's it's all of it that we want to get rid of. Even though we all know that it was the pride stuff that was the problem. That change, though, would not have happened had fools like Eric Stahl, who had worn a pride jersey before during warm-up during his time in Montreal, as you may remember. And say he didn't. What a fucking mm-hmm. clown. I think I think Eric and his ilk may have spent a little bit too much time watching Fox News on the team plane. Uh, between games. Um, and had he not, 
and the continued amplification of freaking homophobia and everything in regards to pride at this stage. Um, had that not been further amplified, someone like Eric Stahl, who was comfortable wearing it a year or so ago, two years ago, now suddenly isn't. I wonder why. The NHL was boxed into a situation by these players, not the other way around. These players saying, well, I'm not going to wear it, and then whining about catching heat on social media, forced the NHL into a situation where it's, oh, well, we can't have ourselves constantly in the negative headlines because that's when it's a problem. When it's repeated negative headlines, that is far more damaging than one big story. And that is the same reason why the league reversed course on Pride Tape so quickly. Because once Travis Dermott said, well, I'm still going to use it, that's a story. Then what happens when the next player and the next player, your name is out there repeatedly as the league that banned Pride Tape and your players are saying, no, we're not going to do that. Your name being in the headlines repeatedly is a hell of a lot worse than your name being there once and for a big reason. That's just how the fucking media landscape works at this point. That is why the NHL said, well, fuck it. We'll just take the hit for now and say, yeah, we're banning everything. It's fucking stupid, isn't it? Well, actually, it's a great thing because that's how the NHL would spin it. Um, they would have much rather have taken the big hit for that than the repeated hits of heading into this season. Oh, this player's sitting out tonight. This player's sitting out tonight for warm-ups, not the game. Um, this is the legacy of, of Provorov, Reimer, the stalls. Like, this is it. Because you, for 15 minutes, could not wear a jersey that you disagree with, even though James Reimer was doing so also for military appreciation night, apparently. Um, because you couldn't wear a jersey for 15 minutes. Because you couldn't say, look, my religion says this. But for 15 minutes, I'll say it's a fucking jersey, whatever. Now you get to the point where Logan Thompson can't put a cancer ribbon on his helmet during Hockey Fights Cancer Month. <sighs> we knew this was where this was heading, essentially. It's just a matter of whether or not the NHL reverses course, but... Don't get it twisted. This is the continuation of what we saw earlier this year. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And it sucks. And it's stupid. And a lot of people, oh, it's because people kept complaining about it on Twitter, about the players sitting out. No, it's, <clears throat> it's, because, it's because of the players themselves being so insecure and fragile and using their own shitty beliefs. And hey, you can have shitty beliefs if you want. A lot of people have shitty beliefs. But using, you know, their own shitty beliefs as an excuse to continue to be shitty. Um, we also don't know what would have happened if Logan Thompson had just said, fuck you, I'm going to use the uh, the ribbon anyway. He just elected not to do it and said, all right, whatever, fuck it. Um, I'm intrigued to know what would have happened. Would they have reverted course like the pride tape quickly? Who Probably. knows? It's the NHL. Um, but yeah, more, more egg on the face for the NHL and it, it all directly reverts right back to what we had seen earlier this year. So 
Yeah, the big uh, the big thing if I was in a, in the NHL that I would worry about is some team that really really believes in something, and they they still make all the specialty jerseys. Like, did you see the pan uh, the Panthers like their their pink yeah. jersey? That yeah. was sick. Yeah. What what happens when a team all of a sudden just says we're going to wear these for warm ups anyway? Then the Ooh. NHL. I don't think so either, but I want it to, just because the right. same reason I wanted them to try to find Dermot. Because I knew it would blow up in their face. Um, you're right; it probably won't happen. A team just saying we're going to wear these anyway. This organization believes in that. This organization is built on on that sort of thing. Like I, I want it to, just because again, it's going to force the NHL's hand. It's going to force them to have to explain themselves instead of them always trying to do what they always want to do is just sweep it under the rug. Is that all they want to do? Is sweep it under the rug? No, don't clean it. Don't check. Just sweep it under the rug. Hopefully, everyone listens. Hopefully, everyone knows their place. But, uh, yeah. With that, because I don't think we have too much else to talk about because this, nah. uh, in, in terms of this conversation, because we've had to have this conversation now numerous times in the aftermath. But we did have a couple of other things, though, that we wanted to kind of touch up upon here to round out this show. The first was something that I wanted to bring to the table because there has been a resurgence in men's college hockey. The U Maine Black Bears, six, one and one, have broken into the top nine in the fucking nation after beating number one Boston College and then Damn. technically taking them to a draw and then losing to them in the shootout for the extra points. Um, this has been so goddamn exciting because the U Maine program has been kind of weak for a while now. Um, there were some glory days in the 90s. They won the NCAA championship in 1993, which was oh, what a what a beautiful team and what a what a beautiful day led by I hate that I'm the only one alive for that. You were. <laughs> <laughs> but led by goaltender Garth Snow. <laughs> Forward what? and current GM of the Boston Bruins, Jim Montgomery. And, oh, and some and some guy named Paul Correa. Um, <laughs> they would win another in 1999. Uh, they didn't quite have the name value on that team, uh, although they did have Sens legend Nico Dimitrakos on that particular. Did you say club. Sens legend? Yeah, you play for the Sens. Sharks legend. Oh, sorry. sorry. Maybe he played for <laughs> the Sens. Actually, I don't know. fun fact, he didn't Jesus. play for the Sens. I meant to say Sharks. <laughs> you motherfucker. How dare you? That is, so, that is reason, our fin. The reason, why that, Valor. the reason why that Freudian slip happened is I was looking at his uh, his Wikipedia page, and it's a picture of him in a Binghamton Senators jersey in 2007. Huh. So, Freudian slip. I do apologize. I wonder if he was part of the Chichu trade then. Interesting. Perfect question. Um... And since those glory days, it's it's been rough, essentially. Um, you know, in the '90s, they had a couple of different, um, couple of different coaches. The the biggest one through the '80s and into the mid '90s was a man by the name of uh, Sean Walsh, um, who um, I, I hate to say it, but it, it's it's fact. Um, he died at age 46 from uh, from cancer really early on, but this was somebody who I, I genuinely think would have gotten an, uh, a chance at the NHL level 
um, given what he was able to accomplish at the NCAA level. Um, he was replaced, fun fact, for a year by current head coach of the Anaheim Ducks, Greg Cronin. Um, huh. And then Sean Walsh came back up until 2001. And then after his passing, uh, a man by the name of Tim Whitehead overtook the program and there was some early success. Um, they lost the national title game to Minnesota in 2002, lost the national title game in 04 to Denver, uh, made the semifinals twice in 06, 07. And then after that, it fell off a cliff. And to that point, 2007 was the last time that Maine uh, has made it beyond the regional semifinal um, in the NCAA tournament. Uh, there's been some rough years. Like they had some decent players at times. Um, 2013 to 2021, Red Gendron uh, was the leader of the program, the head coach, um, someone who made a big impact on Jeremy Swayman. Um, Red unfortunately passed away two years ago now. Um, but recently, since Red's passing, it's been a uh, man by the name of Ben Barr, who uh, not trusted hockey man, but the dude's 41 years old, comes up through the NCAA as a coach really over the past almost 20 years, like whether as a volunteer assistant or as an outright assistant. And, you know, last year wasn't amazing, but this year they have been boosted up by these two freshmen, especially. Um, and I'm so damn excited for what they could mean to this team. Uh, the Nadeau brothers of Bradley and Josh Nadeau, who are currently tied for the team league in points with 10 points in eight games played. And again, uh, they are both freshmen. Bradley was drafted by the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, whereas Josh, I believe, is eligible for the draft this upcoming season. And I am so excited for what it could mean. Actually, no, excuse me. Josh went uh, undrafted, um, but then Bradley was drafted. That's what it was. Um, I'm just so excited for what these these two have been able to do for this program already. And there's some other freshmen in there as well. Um, it is just really nice to have them not suck anymore <laughs> because for those who don't know it's like they are constantly compared to the boston colleges of the world who are led by someone like cutter gotier top five pick of the flyers recently boston university has macklin celebrini and you know he might not even be there for that long of course but it's just really nice to kind of see this team be back into a uh, competitive state and to not just get dicked down uh, by their <laughs> their Massachusetts-based overlords. So I'm pretty happy about that. And in general, um, there's a lot of ranked teams in this region. Uh, BU, BC, they're both still ranked. The New Hampshire Wildcats, who fucking suck. Uh, <laughs> but they're a top 13 team right now as well. Um, hey, what about Arizona me? State? Huh? Arizona yeah, State University. Arizona State. Newest member of the well. NCHC. Um, 14th overall. Um, I think they're also the fastest team to join Div 1 hockey and get ranked as high as they are right now, which is hmm. relatively impressive. You know, shouts out to uh, Josh Doan for putting the team on his back last season. You know, kind of helped yeah. out this year. They've been doing pretty well with their development. Honestly. The best, the best team that plays in Mullet Arena, the Arizona State <laughs> Sun Devils. <laughs> Let's not go too far, okay? 
Oh boy. <sighs> Let's well, not, but hey, it's funny to talk about. Um, so yeah, I wanted to mention that just because I'm happy about it. I also wanted to mention have the New York Rangers not in fact ruined Alexi Lafreniere. Sin, we've had a lot of conversations about this in the Rangers mm-hmm. player development. Lafreniere currently has 11 points in 14 games. He, he's, he's looking okay at yeah, 22. Yeah, a lot of goals. So. Yeah, a lot of he's goals. looking all right. A lot of tappings. No, just kidding. Um, yeah, it's looking good. <laughs> he he's got to keep it up though for me to like believe in it. And mm-hmm. what I've what I've from what I've seen of the brief amount of time I've I've watched some Rangers game. He's he's not driving play. Um, I'd say yeah. he's a beneficiary of a pretty stacked Ooh. lineup. That's not to take away from what he's done because he's still got to put the puck in the net. He's still got to make passes. He's still got to be a good player and things like that. And it's good. It's, if he gets his confidence, he's able to continue to do this. Um, you know, it's still maybe not necessarily what you want after that number one overall. But if he's still a serviceable player and he's going to be playing and probably if he keeps us up, your top six, if not, you know, middle six, at least. Mm. Hey, I believe right now he's on a line, if I'm not mistaken. Again, I always like to... Uh, I think it's with Kreider and someone else, but I'm not so sure. I, yeah, I always like to cross-reference with Daily Faceoff. He is currently on their second line with Panarin and Vinny Trocek. Oh, that's right. It's Panarin. Yeah. It's so. a good, good company to be in. But again, yeah, great. Like, put put young guys with skill. Sometimes it fucking works. Like, yeah, you want him to drive a line, but that... He's not a McDavid. That won't happen for a while. You have to give them the chances to succeed. He never really had that. I still think his development's been set back. Um, he's, what, 21 now? 22. 22. Yeah. Pretty sure. Yeah. And as a former first overall at age 22, still not point per game. Um, still want – I. I think that's got to kind of be the bar. If you're a first overall pick, like by 22, you should be – point per game player i'm not trying to like hate hate on the guy but it's a small sample size and Mm -hmm. we have previous years much larger sample sizes where he has not been very good last year he played a near full season only at 39 points so he's got to keep this pace up and start to you know cement himself as that true offensive threat that he was drafted as yeah. Uh, so I'm not going to say New York didn't fuck him up because I still they, I think that even if he maintains this pace and gets like 60, 70 points, I'm like, OK, he's 22. He has a first overall pick. <laughs> he's not a power forward. He doesn't hit. He doesn't bring a Kachuk presence. So I still think even if he keeps on this pace um, in some ways, I think New York really did mess up his development. He could have been more. Um, but that being said, I hope that he has some success and. Uh, poor Capo. I don't think he's yeah. going to have the same. Two points in 14 games for Capo Caco, who is a solid defensive forward. But man, Number that's not what overall. you drafted that guy second overall to be. You don't draft yeah. someone second overall to develop them into the shutdown middle six winger. No. You can argue you don't necessarily want to draft someone in the first round for that at all. <laughs> in the first Especially round, the Bruins with Jed Frederick. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, the, the Bruins are a different beast, though. Like they, they, they're they're so similar to like the two thousands Patriots, where they're just like, hey, you, you guy on the street waving that sign, come play fucking right wing. Oh, look at him, he kicks ass. Hey, we just <sighs> lost our two center, nineteen year old kid. Go. Mm. 
and yeah. it works for them, man. They're they're pretty good. It worked out so well. For Twenty four uh, points. Oh my fucking! You're not muted. muted. I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought I thought it, I thought it hit both. Shut I was off like, oh, the microphone, <laughs> you fucking boomer. <laughs> That was incredible. Oh, God. Yeah, like a fucking trumpet. My bad. (laughs) That was amazing. There are so many patriots like that um, that you can just name. Not so much anymore, though, eh? No, not anymore. Belichick's time has come, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. One uh, one more viewer question. Yeah, I don't want to talk about the page. Yeah, just, I know. Okay, I so, know. You're depressed. And no, I, and not I'm, I'm, really. I'm digging in my, my, my fucking nine-inch heels into you. I was prepared. Because <laughs> I'm pole dancing be, on their grave. <laughs> I was prepared for them to be bad. I wasn't prepared for them this quickly to be the worst team in the league. And I know the Panthers have one more lost than the Patriots do. The Patriots are the worst team in the league. Easily. They have the worst uh, point differential. I mean, it's so bad. Like, Mac Jones threw maybe the worst interception yesterday that I have ever seen. That I have ever seen. He lobbed a ball 10 yards short of its intended receiver. It's like you handed your old man the the PlayStation controller, and it's like, throw the ball, and he's like, uh, this button? Like throws the controller instead. Right. He's, he's, he, Matt, I hate it, but like Mac Jones is broken. So it's like you're talking about a team, at least with the Panthers and Bryce Young, they took first overall. Um, you have some sort of like, okay, we, we got a guy to build around. Like the Patriots, uh, it's 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 done. It's just done. So um that that's the only thing. Like I now I'm just like sweet the draft. It's supposed to be a good quarterback draft. Let's fucking go. Um, that Mac Jones jersey I got on the jersey uh, collection over there is uh, losing the value quick, man. It's, it's <laughs> I couldn't give that away at this point. <laughs> is my presumption. We have a viewer question to round things out. This comes from Scroopy. You are stuck on a deserted island, but for some reason you have a game console and three games that will work. What system do you bring in what games? Also said, sorry, no PC that deserves its own situation. Well, um, by the way, the questions were, there's no TV there. So uh, I'll have to take uh, like a, a Nintendo something with the screen built in. Right. Yeah. Mm. Shit. And then it runs out of batteries immediately. All right. All right. Assuming that there's some for some reason power in a TV. Uh-huh. There. Yeah. OK. All right. All right. All right. All right. I'm, I'm done being a smart ass. Um, yep. No, you're not. Hmm. <laughs> Ah, I hate that he said you can't bring a PC. Fuck you. Mm. Uh, no sim for you, brother. God. So, mm, what would I? So for me, it comes down to two consoles. I would think, maybe. Like, because for older <laughs> consoles, God, like you have gems on every console for the most part, mm-hmm. right? You can go Super Nintendo. You can go N sixty four. PS2, PS3, Xbox 360 era. I'm just trying to think of, you know, because at the same time, it's like, okay. You're also in the digital age where you have 
digital games so it's <laughs> right because i mean it's not like okay i'd use the n64 for this i'd use the playstation for this it's like no it's only one console so because i feel like n64 like okay i'd think like i don't know what my third game would be from a sports perspective i feel like it had to be like one of the wrestling games like wwf no mercy You'd want to get like a collectathon out of the way. I'd choose Banjo Kazooie over like Mario 64. Hmm. But I genuinely don't know what that third game would be. Fucking Wave Race for like the racing vibe. Um, Mario Party is in there. That's a tough one. I don't even know what console I'd want to choose. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty tough. Like, but the good thing about some of them is like the newer ones have some at least backwards compatibility. So you can bring mm-hmm. like an Xbox, but like bring games that'll work on it. Yeah, I don't right. know, man. Three games, like the most I game right now is on PC anyway. <laughs> and I bounce yeah. around. I go into like phases. This is this is terrible no matter what for me, because uh, I'll get tired of you know, three of those games in a while. And obviously you probably don't have multiplayer, so Got to be right. strong single player games, man. Mm-hmm. And Which all is of those why... are on the PC for me because all the consoles give a fuck about now is multiplayer, ERM, and all that stuff. Well, I would yeah. say from like a PS5 perspective, though, if I were to go with that, it's like the amount of time you can sink into a God of War or a Spider Man. Yeah, you know. So then it's like, okay, like what other type of game would you want to mix in? If I had to go something right now, I mean, again, like I have my my N64 trifecta would be WWF No Mercy, Banjo Tooie, and Wave Race 64. Off the top of my head, but I could come up with one for the PS2, for the 360, uh, for the modern consoles. I mean. I think that's what I'd want to do is put more thought into this of like, okay, actually come up with my three for each console and then put it in a bracket and be like, which one wins? This is too tough. I don't know, man. Like I'd go with, hmm, you know what? I'd go with the uh, Xbox Series X. And um, if I could only play three games since they don't really make physical copies anymore, I would, uh, I'm going to cheese the system. I would have the Halo Master Chief Collection. Hey, Halos one. one through three, and yeah. love that. That's a lot of time right there in those campaigns, man. Whew. Ooh, so you could go with. Remember what the the rare replay collection? Yep, there you go. That would be the way to cheese it, right? Is to go uh-huh. with a collection that has multiple offerings. Yeah. Mm. Sega Saturn, because also the the Series S and X are backwards compatible. So you could say Sega Master Games Collection for the Xbox 360. Which has all the Sega games from like way back when. Mm. Uh, but mine would probably be GameCube, uh, Sonic Riders, uh, Super Mario Strikers, and the last one would probably be Pokemon XD, uh, uh, Gale of Darkness. <laughs> XD, where everyone's just laughing. XD, RAR, RAR or DX, XD. whatever the fuck it is. I can't remember. <laughs> RAR XD. Is it DX or XD? Doesn't matter. Uh, D- DX was the group that told you to suck at the new team yeah, po- Pokemon XD Gale of, Gar- Gale of Darkness. What? That was when they added Dark Pokemon and Dark Luigi. Luigi, not fucking Dark Luigi. Luigi. Dark <laughs> Luigi. That's what it was. That's my president, Dark Luigi. 
<laughs> oh my god uh, there's well, an obama what? joke in there but i'm not gonna be the one to say it <laughs> well with that everybody we will thank you very much for listening and or watching another edition of the two mistake podcast we will be back later on this week for more as the oilers will fire another six head coaches between now and thursday endurance m what do you have going on um nothing i'm actually going to a event tomorrow i may actually record from there i'm not really sure i'm gonna do the raptors are having what nothing go ahead okay uh motherfucker fuck you um i'm going to an event tomorrow with the raptors and the toronto ultra the cod esports team for mlse um they are holding an event at scotiabank arena where you can go into the court, play, shoot some hoops, dunk on some small children, which I'll probably do, and play COD and dunk on more small children, which I'll probably do. Um, it's how it's ran destroyed. by. You're going to yeah. get shit on by those kids, dude. I'm not getting shit on by those kids. I used to play. I used to play rep basketball. Okay. No, I'm I used talking to be about pretty... COD. Oh, oh COD. Yeah, yeah I'll get my get ass kicked. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll get my ass kicked, but I'll have to 1v1 on the court. I'll just cross them there you go it's good yeah that's what i going on again uh, another thing too uh one last thing to plug is the movember campaign from two guys on my hockey team glenn and jerry they're raising money for movember and doing their thing so i'll give to you the link this time to put in the description uh if you guys have any extra money to donate to that it goes to a good cause obviously for mental health and cancer awareness do the thing Finn. yeah Ah, yeah. I've started in a new franchise mode uh, <gasps> with the Edmonton Oilers, Ooh. and um, it's been having a blast with that. I think I mentioned it maybe last time. I can't remember when I started it, but uh, yeah, I should have actually mentioned it on the very last up. So we did. We're just finished year three right now. It's been a fantastic series of just <laughs> just double shifting McDavid and Dreisaitl everywhere and then trying to figure out how to build a team around them. And hey, fun story. I'm doing much better than the Oilers are in real life. <laughs> but uh yeah check that out it's on my youtube uh sin ftw productions and that's it i uh can be found of course on the twitch and the youtube side of things as we continue to navigate a world where the most recent nhl game absolutely sucks um uh, but yeah we're gonna have fun i got back to my uh, nhl 15 franchise mode on stream last night and uh it's it's fun imagine fun hockey things going to be a great time with that everybody we'll see you next week thank you for listening and watching the super-sized edition of the tuesday podcast and we'll see you later on this week